everyone. I'm so very excited to welcome you to our first ever episode of Covering COVID-19. I'm your host, Haley Blackburn, and I figured I'd give you a little bit of background on me before we started so you know exactly who you're listening to. I am a junior at the University of Kentucky. I'm studying journalism with a minor in environmental studies. I really am hoping to go on and get my master's in communication in the next few years, um, also here at UK, and I want to work in the journalism field for a while before eventually becoming a professor somewhere once I get a little older. I currently work as the assistant news editor for a student publication here at UK called The Kentucky Colonel. Um, That's basically everything that you need to know about me for right now. That sums me up, and it is the perfect segue for what we're going to be talking about this week, which is covering COVID-19 on college campuses. I actually just started my first week back on campus this week with in-person classes and stuff like that, Um, and I remember on my first day of classes, um, I got up and I got ready, had my mask on, ready to head out the door, and I get the Apple News headline that reads... UNC Chapel Hill has decided to move to completely to remote learning for the rest of the semester after just two weeks, two weeks of being on campus. To say that that broke any optimism that I really had left, like, that wouldn't even cover what I felt, honestly. Um, so I was really feeling for those students, like, how is, how would that feel to be back? You get a taste of some sense of normalcy, and then that's just all over? Well, (laughs) that question was answered for me pretty quickly after I um, saw UNC's student publication had ran a headline on the story in their paper that said, UNC has a cluster on his hands. The headline went viral on social media because it simply put on paper what every college student is thinking and probably still is thinking um as a student journalist for the kentucky colonel i can tell you that those feelings are not they are not alone um our student publication here at uk has dealt a lot with covering covid19 and it has been quite a task honestly um i started the position in may um right in the midst of the pandemic I was decoding cryptic emails from our president about reopening. I was investigating how they were going to allocate CARES funding for students. I was really trying to paint a picture of what campus was going to look like for students, getting answers to questions that may not have been outlined in the restart plan. Um, It was a lot of work, and I can totally understand the stress that went into writing that headline. Student media is often one of the first places that stories like this break um, involving colleges in COVID-19 simply because we are the ones experiencing it firsthand. So we get the emails first because we're students. We get to notice the things on campus happening firsthand because we are experiencing them. Um, And we're almost always the first ones to ask questions when we notice these things because they are directly influencing us. Um, I know, like I said, I spent a lot of my summer decoding the tons and tons of emails that we got about reopening here at UK, but a lot of students have gotten their information in different ways. Um, each university is really handling the COVID-19 crisis and how it communicates with the students in different ways. Um, UK used emails, some places are using phone calls, 
I've even seen some places have um, created a COVID-19 webpage. Not a webpage, but like a whole separate website where it lists all their policies, daily actions, student responsibilities, uh, student compacts like that they need to sign and agree with, um, and their numbers for tests and stuff like that. Um, then a lot of universities are relying on their student media to break this news and get it to a widespread audience on the campus. And unfortunately, some people <laughs> get to figure out what happens with their schools from national news media outlets. I'm sure there were some UNC students who woke up that morning and saw the same Apple News headline that I did and were like, well, and that's how they got their information. That's how they learned about covering COVID-19 on college campuses. I couldn't even imagine. Up next, we're going to hear from, honestly, one of the most awesome people that I got to meet at my virtual internship this summer. Um, We've worked together all summer and... I've got an opportunity to really have some awesome conversations with him, and we're going to just add on to our track record with another awesome conversation on covering COVID-19 on college campuses and how he has been impacted by COVID-19 on his college campus and how his school and the media has communicated that information with him throughout this wild roller coaster of a summer. So um, without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, my name is Dylan. I am a sophomore at the College of New Jersey, and I major in political science on the pre-law track. Well, that's really cool. I have a lot of friends who are law. Um, I already introduced myself, but just in case you didn't know, I am a junior at the University of Kentucky, and I study journalism with a minor in environmental studies. So, Yeah. Um, so I know you said you're going back to school next week. What are the plans for your college this semester? So my college is moved entirely online, Mm -hmm. except for some on campus classes like labs and nursing students have to do clinicals and things of that sort. So they're the ones that are going to be on mainly on campus, but other classes who were on in-person and online are just officially online. Oh, so are all of yours online or will you be on campus at all? All of mine's online. I had a couple, but then it was changed to online as soon as the governor of New Jersey changed it from stage three back to stage two. Mm, That's when everything changed. So their plan was originally to go back in person, but then they were like, nope, not doing that. Yes, after it was like everything kept changing. So I feel they wanted they sent out an email saying they'll just keep us updated. Then they sent out an email for us to apply for housing. We applied, and they took that back. Then we applied again, and then they took mm. it back. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that seems very confusing. So, did you say that you got a lot of emails from your school? Is that how they mainly communicated with you over the summer? Yes, they did a lot of emails, (laughs) and they also kind of, like, they, you know how you could do, like, sliding Instagram posts? Mm -hmm. That's what they mainly did, so that's, like, a little easier to digest. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, That's interesting. I think that I've been, like, doing a lot of research, like, comparing how my school is to, like, 
where we're at right now to the schools that have closed so far. And it was really mm-hmm. interesting to see like how they had communicated with their students because they had made whole new websites, like not just like their school website, like they had made whole new web pages all about just like COVID and like such in-depth things. And my mm-hmm. school has like a 15 page thing and they're like, okay, this is going to solve it all. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but does your campus have a student newspaper? Yes, they do. Did they do a lot of coverage on, like, your campus, like, following? Did they do it over the summer, or do they not operate over the summer? Because I know some do not. I think they operate over the summer. Yes, they do, actually. They do. The Signal operates over the summer. Okay, that's pretty cool. I know, because I I just got, like, I work for my school newspaper, and I, like, just got to working for them as soon as COVID happened, like, in May. So that's mm-hmm. pretty much all I've gotten to write about. <laughs> for like four months it's fine I love it um so what do you think would be the most effective way for schools to communicate with their plans with students like we said we received a lot of emails but there's a bunch of different ways that schools have been doing that I guess some of the smaller schools have even sent out phone calls to people too much Mm -hmm. for me but what do you think (laughs) is most effective I well first I think that I think that there should be emails. Mm-hmm. I also think that there should be a way for it to be like digested because yeah. some of the emails can get really wordy. And I know sometimes colleges can like use big words to kind of like hide the fact that they don't know what they're going to do. And just like if they have multiple ways to do it, like if they use the, so the newspaper and even clubs like student government. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. that will be a great way to relay the information that has been provided through the email. Yeah, I definitely agree because when I was um, working over the summer, we got tons of very like cryptic emails from my professor, like not really saying much, but being like super long mm-hmm. with just like full of words. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's definitely something that schools need to like watch for. And I think that's a really good place where the student media is sort of like, pops in and like decodes the stuff and just tells you like what you need and like a short little thing so that's what that's what I've been doing all summer um do you think media both student and just like regular cable news and national media outlets do you think that they have done a good job of covering COVID-19 and how it has impacted colleges well I don't think no one really grasped the well I'm speaking like national news I don't think they really grasped how it affected college students. Because mm-hmm. there's when you're in college, there's a variety of students. There's people who are low income, people who are high income, people who are come from different backgrounds. So when coronavirus like became what it is now, it's like I don't think they really grasped how it would affect college students because some students do not have safe housing some students do not have somewhere to go back to or even suffering with food insecurity Mm -hmm. so it's like no one really grasped that until schools started to open up yeah and then everyone is going back home now and that's when I think everyone's taking it seriously because they could see oh you were just on campus a week ago 
and now you're off yeah. because of Corona. So I think that people are starting to take it more seriously. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I know that our student, like, newspaper has taken, like, very seriously. We've been trying to cover everything we can, answer all the questions that students have. Because, like I said, we had a pretty, a relatively vague reopening plan. So students had a lot of questions. And we tried to, like, really fill in the gaps, but not many other news outlets like outlets around were really focusing on it like our local paper Mm -hmm. like talked about yeah they're going back but that's pretty much like all they said and then like the national news we actually my school was featured in the new york times and like fox news and everybody i do not know why was like looking at our school and like watching us when we opened like there were so many cameras on campus this week like everywhere and so i feel like but they weren't really talking about like how that was going to impact people they were just talking about like it's happening like you know so um I definitely understand what you're saying there do you think like I don't know do you think that your personal like what you've read about your school has been communicating like pretty well to you do you think that it's been effective what you've read about your school or do you think that it's been sort of confusing i at first, it was a little confusing because, I mean, nobody really knew what was going on. All we knew that it was just getting serious and coronavirus was becoming, you know, epidemic. And now, once, not, I don't want to say everything has calmed down, but it's not as new as it was before yeah. in early March. So now that we've gotten accustomed to changing our way of life, Mm-hmm. I feel like the information they provide is very strategic and they give us as much information as possible. One thing I like about my school is how transparent they are. Yeah. So as soon as the governor put out that we're going back to stage three, like the next day they came out saying, hey, we know this means since we're a state school, we're going to have to go and change up our stuff. Because we have to go with what the government says. Yeah. And I feel like them not having us wait and showing how and being so transparent with us really shows that they care for their students and want to do anything to keep their students safe. Yeah, that's really, really great that you um, that your school is doing that, because I know a lot of people in a lot of schools right now, like aren't being the most transparent with their students. And that's like really like killing the whole like optimism that people have right now which is very little honestly and I feel like um that's sort of where the media needs to come in and like maybe step up and like some of those schools are not being transparent with students like that's just outright and open like they're just not communicating with them as well as they should be and I feel like the media could definitely like that's where bigger media outlets and student media outlets could step in and maybe be like, okay, here's what's actually happening. And I really Mm -hmm. think that would be nicer to see on um, a lot of campuses because, yeah, that would just be good (laughs) going back. So um, when did your, when did the governor announce like the switch to completely online? Like, well, not the governor didn't announce it, but you know, the switch back to phase two. When was that? I think it was like a couple either two or three weeks ago oh that isn't even that long yeah it was very hard because i know a lot of people once they found out that 
because at first housing they were already going to have housing mm -hmm. but then the capacity was going to be reduced to 35 percent mm -hmm. yeah and then since we went back into stage two that's reduced even more yeah so right now there are people moving in on campus tomorrow like people are still moving on but as people that need housing and also scholarship students yeah so i know that i was actually offered housing because i'm a a scholar um the opportunity fund scholar mm -hmm. and they offer you housing based on like certain points that you have to hit like if you're low income if you're part of a specific group or if you um need like it's a necessity for you to have housing like it would impact your learning mm -hmm. so people are moving in but it has always changed yeah yeah so are you living on campus or do you just like live around the area I actually live about an hour away. Okay. Um, it's the school I go to is in Central Jersey, and I live in North Jersey. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure because, I mean, what – I know, like, since – I know you're not living on campus, but even being a commuter and, like, I know you don't have to come to campus this semester. So how did mm -hmm. that make you – like, were you planning to live on campus before they announced that um, – switch back to phase two or yes okay um, i was planning to live on campus i applied oh were you gonna say something i don't know uh, i applied well first we applied in february because that's when you know you apply for next semester's housing yeah. and we're all excited then we went home didn't think much of it and they told us they're gonna have to take housing away and we applied again Oh. Then we went to stage two, they took that away, oh. and then we applied again, and then they were able to, like, accept or deny a request. Yeah. And then after they did that, you're able to, like, appeal and things of that sort. So it's it's a lot. It's a long process. Well, I know, like, going through that whole process and just, like, adjusting to all these changes that you've had to adjust to in a few weeks, like, what is something that you wish the media whether that be through like your student newspaper the local news whatever would have communicated better with the students like what do you wish through all of that that you would have been hearing more about I wish we would be able to get the students first perspective on all this going on because from what we mostly hear, it's like administration, staff, yeah. and how they're feeling, but no one really asks us how we're dealing with having all this, how we're dealing with, you know, people signing leases because we're supposed to be on campus, and now they're stuck in a year-long lease with only online classes. So yeah. I feel like if there's more student perspective and student input, then that will be more informative yeah I think that's definitely a really good point um well I really appreciate you talking to me and I'm just gonna really ask one pretty broad question at the end is there any advice that you would give to students who may be either online or in person pretty much any student right now who's confused or really just overwhelmed with what's happening this fall semester I would say first um college is really stressful in of itself Mm -hmm. And I would honestly say, take it day by day. You never know what's going to happen. Like, who knows 
in a month from now if things will get worse, but take it day by day and really understand that it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be, college is not going to be the same as it was before all this happened mm-hmm. and things are going to change. So you just need to be able to adapt and adjust to your new environment. Yes, I definitely agree. I started back to in-person classes this week and it has definitely been an adjustment for me. So <laughs> I think that's some really good advice. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on to talk to me because this is the first time I've ever done this and I didn't want to just be talking on my phone the whole time. So I appreciate you. <laughs> Honestly, I just want to say that I love that conversation that I got to have with Dylan. Um, I think it was really, really eye-opening to see how some other schools, um, especially up in the Northeast, are communicating with their students. And I love bringing in his perspective since it's so much different than mine as a student journalist and as somebody who is from Kentucky. It was awesome to get a perspective of somebody um whose state was really more of a hotspot in this pandemic and dealing with how he was um, communicated with and how he got his coverage of COVID-19 on his college campus and about his college. And I honestly have really loved exploring this topic, both from my own perspective and Dylan's. And I think it's going to be so awesome to explore how COVID-19 has been covered in so many different ways and Even though it's a sad topic, it is an important one for the media to be talking about. And I think that when we talk about the media, we often um, shine a light on the negative things that are happening or on maybe the failures of the media. The embarrassments are really what we focus on. And I think it's going to be really interesting to explore um, some different aspects of what the media has done both um, good and the bad um, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm so excited to explore these topics with you in the future. And I hope you come back for the next episode. Thanks for listening.